Millie, a podcast about pop culture and hot goss through the lens of your nosy neighbor. I'm your host and nosy neighbor, Millie Brooks. Hi folks, we have a doozy of an episode for you today. We are going to unpack the delightful hell that is feminism today. Feminism specifically in America. And joining me is Francis Murphy, a civil and criminal defense attorney in Detroit, Michigan, and also my BFF and favorite feminist. Welcome, Fran. Thank you. So glad to have you. So glad to be had. <laughs> um, before we get started on the segment, Fran, let's dive into just some medium level fe- feminism. So, Fran, who does the grocery shopping in your household? I would say we both do. I think I probably get more groceries. Dusty probably gets more pizza. Mm. So, but in terms of providing food for yeah. the fam, I would say it's about half and half. Half and half. Yeah. You split it up. It's pretty feminist, right? That's pretty equality yes. right there. Egalitarian. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I would, I'll tell you, Rowan and I split it up once every week. So one week he does it, and then the next week I do it. Oh. And we alternate, rotating yes. every like other that. week. Yeah. And there's Rowan right now getting a drink. Hi, Rowan. Hello. Yeah, there he is. The joys of recording a podcast. Um, so, Fran, do you make a list for the groceries? I try to. Yeah. And I try to stick to it. But yeah. it's tough, especially when I'm at Aldi and I'm passing by the fruit snacks. Yeah. Yeah. The fruit snacks are good. And the ice cream. They've yeah. got great deals on ice cream. That's great. Well, yeah. the reason I ask you something simple like grocery shopping, because grocery shopping typically lands in the hands of the woman right. to do, right? But now I think we are moving towards... Um, sharing household responsibilities between partners, you know? Uh, yeah, I and, hope so. And yeah. not, you know, you know, trying to avoid gender roles as much as we can right. as a society, which yeah. is great. And I think that, um, I think it's good. Yeah. I think it's good to, like, divide and conquer. However, I just recently read something that said, don't praise your husband for doing chores. Yeah. Because it makes it seem like, um, sorry, I got a text message. Um, it makes it seem like... They're doing something extraordinary. They're doing something extraordinary and they need to be recognized for it. When it should just be every day, you know, it just reinforces the the gender stereotypes of who should do what. Right. Of labor. What do you think about that? Well, I think I think it's I like the idea of both people giving recognition for their contributions. And so I think if, if you're going to give your husband or partner recognition, I think it should be also received when you, when you also contribute. Mm. 
But because I just find that the more positivity you bring to a relationship, the better. And so, but, oh, I, but God, I get that's that. That's so good. Don't you think? That's so good. Yeah. But I get it. I get it. I don't think that you should get extra praise for doing something that you should be doing anyways. Right. And at the same time, you know, maybe both people should be praising the other for their contributions. Yeah. You know? Or at least acknowledging kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. I mean, that's, that's a good point. Opinion. Yeah. Well, you know, these are all just our opinions. That's true. I'm not speaking for the majority. <laughs> right. I'm just speaking for the majority of myself. Exactly. Um, okay, great. So, um, that's good. That's good. That, now, let's, um, now, let's just go through the gamut here. In recent months, states like Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, and Arkansas have started passing new bills into law known as early abortion bans. We're starting off with an abortion question right off the gamut, folks. So there's your trigger warning. If uh, if this is a too hot of a topic for you, move on to the next episode. But um, that's what we're going to unpack first. This is clearly a grand attempt to overturn Roe versus Wade. In your professional opinion, Fran, being a attorney at law um, and understanding the complications of, you know, the American justice system. Cleo clearly has a lot of opinions about it as well. What's the likelihood of that becoming a reality? Well, there's no way to predict the future. Um, There is a local... um, Law school dean, who is a constitutional professor, his name is uh, Erwin Kamarinsky, and he ha- he believes that Roe versus Wade will be overturned because of the five conservative Supreme Court justices. He also did believe, though, that it would be overturned when Kennedy was on the bench and Kennedy upheld the precedent of Roe versus Wade. Mm. Um, but Kennedy is now gone and mm-hmm. has been replaced um, by Gorsuch, and now we have Kavanaugh. So. There are a couple ways that it could happen. Um, Alabama, for example, has passed the most strict law. Yeah, they've which, been the most right. severe. Yeah, it yeah. makes abortion a felony. It criminalizes um, doctors. Um, it, it puts them potentially in prison for 99 years if they perform an abortion. Wow. And so they could, if they were to uphold the Alabama law, that would basically overturn Roe versus Wade because it's it's pretty much an absolute ban on abortion. Another way they could do it is by passing laws that ha- that don't outright ban abortion, but create restrictions. And by mm. slowly upholding those laws, it just it whittles away abortion rights. Wow, just making it more and more challenging to access it, kind of. Right. Hmm. Got it. Um. I mean, let's go back to the Supreme Court justices right now. Like, can you give us a small, like, who, it's the majority um, are pretty conservative right now, right? Correct. There are nine U.S. Supreme Court justices, Mm -hmm. and five of the nine are considered very conservative and have been championing anti-abortion platforms for their careers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I have, in response to this whole, you know, to these states going so 
extreme with this. There's also been other states that have, like, gone the complete other direction. Right. That are, like, offering free abortions or, like, um, places to stay for people traveling out of state, you know? Right. How, like, is there any way to criminalize those types of people that go out of state for stuff? Well, that is an interesting question. Um, even if Roe versus Wade is overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court, that doesn't mean that um, states can't regulate abortion themselves. So, for example, California and New York probably will not have abortion bans even if Roe versus Wade is overturned. Mm. So people that live in states where, like Alabama, for example, will have to make the trips um, to these other states if they want abortions performed, which will disproportionately affect people who are poor, and teenagers who oh. can't afford to do that. Yeah. But whether, but I think that's interesting. I don't know whether they will be criminal, their actions for going out of state will be criminalized. And I, I'm not aware of whether that has been implemented into some of these uh, bans that have been proposed in the, in the legislature. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, we could go on about that, but we're going to move on. Maternal deaths in the United States, highest when compared to 49 other countries in the developing world, and, that the, and yet the U.S. is spending more money in health care than any other country. This is also the maternal deaths for women of color, specifically black women, high, very high. Serena Williams talks about this a lot. She's been trying to champion, you know, more advocacy around childbirth and um, just bringing more awareness to, like, making sure that black women have more um, access to health Access to health care. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so why is this happening? So we spend more money in health care than any other country. Why, why are these deaths happening? Well, um, there are statistics that are gathered by the Center for Disease Control um, and also by some uh, gynecological uh, associations. And there are some ideas about why the uh, maternal mortality rate has gone up. Maternal mortality means um, death of a woman during her pregnancy or in the first year after she's given birth. Okay, that's a good, that's good to define. Right. Yeah. Right, and it only includes causes related to pregnancy. Okay. And um, so the Center for Disease Control has reported that there has been a 26.6% increase from 2000 to 2014 in the maternal mortality ratio, and that 20 to 50% of these deaths are due to preventable causes. And, wow. Right, I know. That's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. So why aren't we able to prevent this stuff? Why aren't we seeing this stuff early and, and catching it and doing something about it? Well, there are, like, the efforts of Serena Williams and other people who are trying to tra champion this cause, mm -hmm. um, like Kamala Harris, mm -hmm. for example. I think that's an issue that she's, she's brought up. She's backing, yeah. And, um, but there are factors that have been identified uh, as contributing to... Uh, you know, this increase in maternal mortality. 
um, access to health care, education, age, race, income. Yeah. Are all, um, Those are all factors. Right. Wow. That have been identified. Wow. Right. And, you, you know, you bring up race. Um, and, you know, that black women are four times more likely to suffer from maternal mortality than white women. And um, there's, it's been acknowledged by the American Colle College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists that the racial bias component um, in the healthcare system is a contributing factor to this, you know, disproportionate number of pregnancy-related deaths in black women. That is awful. Right. That's so awful. It is. It is awful. So what do you do to try to, like, reverse that? You know, how do you, what's the solution there? Yeah, I think it's it's a very, probably a very complicated solution. You know, in my opinion, the, the first step, the fact that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists has acknowledged that. Right. That's just, that's. The first step is acknowledgement. Right. And the fact that they've acknowledged that that exists allows... Yeah. They're not denying it. Yeah, They're for saying programs yes. to be implemented. Right. Um, what the programs will look like and what they'll be and and how it will be addressed, um, you know, is up to the experts who know how to to tackle those really difficult and, and complex issues. issues. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Well, what are the laws around um, sticking on with, like, the whole, um, you know, maternal, you know, uh, parental sort of pregnancy stuff? What are the laws around parental and family leave in the U.S.? Well, there's no, for the majority of workers in the United States, there is no right to maternity leave, paid or unpaid. Wow. Yeah. So we're the one of the only developed countries in the world that does not require companies to... Provide that. Right. Mm. Right. And there is something called the, the Family and Medical Leave Act, FMLA, which requires 12 weeks of unpaid leave annually for mothers... Um, but that only works if you work for a company that uh, has 50 employees or more. So if you work for a small business, right. you might not that get that. That doesn't apply. Right. And even 12 weeks, the World Health Organization has uh, recommended that 16 weeks of leave be the minimum for mm. mothers to take. And so the FMLA law um, you know, only requires the 12 weeks. Yeah. Um, I wonder how that breaks down with... With the U.S. being a gig economy right now, like everybody is, you know, making a living with miscellaneous income. You know, they're they're not working for one company. They're they're W two employees for many different companies. You know, right. And so that makes it even challenging. I mean, a lot of people do that for for the freedom. You know, right. And so you have the choice to not work, right. but you're also not getting paid, right. Which, and there's no right to payment. So even if you do have access to FMLA, you're not getting paid. So you get the right to take 12 weeks off, mm, but you don't get paid. Wow. Which is unlike your friend who was at your wedding, whose right. wife lives in England, right? 
She got a year off? Yes. Yeah. Yes. She had her baby at your yes. wedding? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, Sam and Becky. Yeah. They got a year off. She, she got seemed so relaxed. Off. Oh, she, she was so happy. <laughs> she was so excited. I know. It's like, who is this woman? I know. I was, I was, it was, yeah, that's a pretty good perk. Yeah. About living in the UK. Right? For sure. Yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. We got to kind of, I think we need to move with the times a little bit with totally. that. And, you know, uh, in terms of, you know, leave for men who are fathers, I mean, that, it, yeah. I think it's a trend. I've, I've heard of a lot of companies that provide that mm -hmm. option to men. Me too. Uh, which I think is wonderful because they're, despite the fact that it's not legally required for these companies to have maternity or paternity leave, they are nevertheless offering it. Yep. And yep. so I think it's good that companies are. And it's also going with equality. Right. I think. Because that's what feminism is about. Totally. It's equal. Yes. However, yeah, it's equal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, it's totally equal. It's just, you know. Um, so, yeah. And, and just looking at even, you know, the, the question... Before that one about the maternal deaths, you know, like, I wonder if there's any correlation between those stats sometimes. Right. Like, if the paternal leave was greater, yeah. would, the maternal would the maternal deaths go down? Right. That is a really interesting question. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first, folks. All right? <laughs> Camel Harris, if you're listening, put that, put that under your one of your things. You know, that you're your fighting slogan. for. Yeah. Your yeah, slogan. Yeah. Something. One of your slogans. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, in terms of if you wanted to talk about some of the causes of... Yes, let's get into it. ...of maternal mortality, there have been five medical conditions that have been found to account for about 74% of the maternal deaths in the U.S. Um, they're embolism, hemorrhage preeclampsia, infection, cardiomyopathy, and then a sixth fa or sixth reason is is suicide. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because um, postpartum depression, it's widely untreated and unrecognized and um, it also just happens to be one of the most significant causes of maternal mortality. Oh my god. That's right. devastating. It it is. That's I know. That's devastating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's such a real thing. I think that's one of the things that, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I want, I want us to stop. I think feminism needs to start advocating that everybody stop calling women crazy kind of thing, like using the crazy yeah. card. We need to stop using that crazy oh, I card. That I card. hate that card. Ugh. I think it's one of the most sexist, manipulative things you could ever say to a I woman. If I hear I that word, it just goes in one ear and right out the right other. Right out the other. It's just ridiculous. Oh, I know. I, I It drives me up the wall. Mm -hmm. But I think that, like, that statistic is, like, very proving, you know what I mean, that, like, What's happening to a woman's body after they give birth? Like their whole, 
their whole system is going through massive changes. Right. You know, and how can we all be supportive towards that? Right. And not not work against it or like you know we were talking about the mommy shaming going on like what is up with this mommy shaming now it's sometimes it's like it feels like the like feminism is like you know there's this this nasty nasty feminism like under (laughs) the dark belly of feminism where women hate other women and they're trying to bring them down. Yeah, I mean, I I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think nastiness, I would love to see that not be part of feminism. Yeah. And I would love to see us just support each other. I In mean, non-judgmental ways. Yeah, right. Right, because we were, you know, like, here. I he- also heard one other thing, that feminism... Um, or like inequality and sexism between the genders, um, between male, female, um, is, is kind of like started by the patriarchy, but it's reinforced by other women. Yeah, right. You know, like the patriarchy might kind of like promote these ideas and blah, 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 and have specific, you know, roles and things and right. blah, blah, blah. But it's other women who sort of reinforce it all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm not all women are feminists. Right. You know? Right. And I think there even are women who are feminists who sometimes don't realize that maybe they're not being as supportive of women as they could be. Yeah, because it feels like feminism or feminist is a dirty word, too. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people you know, don't like that word. They don't. Right. And they don't want to identify as They don't want to identify as yeah. that. I was watching um, Dr. Ruth, the documentary. If you oh. uh, shout out to anybody who's uh, watched this on Hulu, it's this documentary on Dr. Ruth who was the sex therapist. Right. Oh, she's great. You know, she's so great. And um, they go through her whole life, and there's this one scene where her um, her granddaughter is kind of interviewing her and, like, you know, what, like asking her, like, Grandma, why don't you want to be a feminist? And she's like, no, 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 no. I'm not a feminist. And... Um, you know, the granddaughter goes through a checklist of like, well, you want equal pay, don't you? Oh, yes, yes, yes. You want free and safe access to abortions. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But you're not a feminist. No. It's like... It, right. The, I think that there's um, there's a lot of like malice or like hatred associated with being a feminist. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, just your opinion. Yeah. No, I I totally see that. And I think maybe part of it stems from when the women's movement really started in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And not all women identified with it. And there were issues. I mean, feminism, femini- the feminist movement has been criticized as being kind of a white, classist right. movement. And I think that that should be owned and addressed. Yes. And... Um, 
And so whether they, whether women don't want to um, identify as feminists because of that, or because maybe they just don't see, you know, they classify feminists as kind of like dirty hippie women that grew yeah. out their armpit hair, and you know, I don't know. But it is interesting to, you know, if, you know, what's the definition of feminist is the radical notion that women are people. I mean, if that's what your yeah. definition of feminist is, you know, most people you would th- hope would say, I'm a feminist. Yes. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of baggage that goes along, yeah. along with that word. Yeah. Because I think of the history. And, um, and that's really interesting that Dr. Ruth would say that to me. Yeah, she yeah. was like, I, I, she did not associate, like, did not want to label herself a feminist. Yeah. But yet, yeah. Right, she's got all, she hits all of the markers. She checks off all the boxes. Right. So, that was interesting to me, but I definitely agree with you. And that was something that even, um, another shout out, if you're not watching Handmaid's Tale, this mm. is a Handmaid's Tale reference. Um, it's not a spoiler, but just an overall reference. Um, that's a big complaint about The Handmaid's Tale, that it is a white feminist anthem Mm. and that the women of color in that show are not depicted well. Right. In a good light. And I can see it. I see it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think those types of criticisms need to be listened to right and owned right you know right and i think the other thing i mean i guess it just comes down to what the definition is a definition of feminism is, right you know yeah. and it sounds like a lot of people have a lot of different definitions and maybe now today we need to adapt a more inclusive definition for it right you know yeah, I know for me, for example, when I, because I was raised by a feminist mother and I had an idea of what feminist meant to me and I thought, oh, well, everyone's going to share that mm-hmm. view. And then when I was in law school, I met all these other women that identified as feminists, but they did things that, to me, I was like, that's not feminist. And so it really opened my mind, mm. this idea that we have to be inclusive and yeah. everyone's going to have a different idea. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. What about this radical notion that maybe men are not the enemy, but maybe other women are? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think we need to eradicate that. Like, what if feminism did something um, proactively about, like, hey, this is women just supporting other women? Yeah. You know? Right. Right. Yeah, like what? maybe the enemy is ourselves. <laughs> well, I we're getting real deep here, real Freudian. Well, there are still a lot of women that want to to fall into the traditional role of women. Yeah, and that are kind of against feminist principles. And yeah, yeah. I, I think I know a few. I do. I, do. I know a few. I don't think they'd come out and say it, but... But for sure. Just the way they're living their life. Well, I know some people that would for sure come out and say it. Like Oh, I, they would? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I live in Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we went red in 2016. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Um, okay, we just have a few more minutes left. I do want to... Um, 
ask you, is there anything that I haven't asked you? I mean, it's really hard to unpack the whole feminist, you know, feminist barrel, you know? Um, It is complicated, but is there anything that I haven't asked you that you feel that it's probably important to mention? Hmm. I think you've done a, a really good job. Well, thanks. You're welcome. I just asked you that question to get a compliment. <laughs> women supporting women. Yes. Well, Full circle. Thanks, Fran. You're welcome. What Mel. are you doing? Like, what are you working on right now um, as an attorney in Michigan? Well, I just started my own law practice, Fran Murphy Law. And I'm, I'm just plugging and chugging. Plugging and chugging. Yeah, doing my best, representing, um, you know, people and companies and, and you know, just trying to, you know, doing my best. That's all you can do. Yeah, I know. That's all you can do. I'm sorry for that question. <laughs> that was a good question. No, it was good. And, and you... It was an opportunity for a plug, and I, tr- <laughs> I tried. You're great. Thanks. You're just plugging and chugging. Women supporting women. Women supporting women, plugging and chugging. That's the new feminist definition. <laughs> women supporting, plugging and chugging. Oh, oh, man, I love it. That's a good one. Well, thanks so much, Fran, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll have you back again for something else. I love it. All right. Ciao. Ciao. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at milliebrooks100 for more podcast updates. And if you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support. Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. And to Rini Shaw, our graphic designer, who did our thumbnail art. Follow her at rinishaw.com. Thanks, party people, and see you next week.